welcome back to the Why Hockey Periodical Podcast, where Tommy, I'm going to ask a dangerous question. Sure. Connor, why? is actually good. <laughs> the momentum has swung the other way, huh? I mean, <laughs> and, I, I have to say it because... And without many rows. <laughs> uh, I mean, they, they the are thing. currently in the first wildcard position in October, which is a rarity because last year, of course, they were very bad and didn't win a game in regulation in all of October. But I have to ask yeah. the question now, are the Florida Panthers actually good? Um, still too early to tell. I mean, you can't go too much either either way. Uh, so I hate to kind of go back the other way. You know, last week or last podcast, I was preaching like, hold up, patience, uh, positivity. Now I'm preaching, you know, patience. There's still some things to be worked out. Um, uh, but I don't think that's contradictory. I think, you know, you don't want to get either way. I mean, have they played 10 games yet? They have played nine games, but I am willing to say you know? at least these nine games. As they potentially have a, a whole different center depth chart than they even imagined a week ago. You know what I mean? Like things are just in flux still at this point, but it looks better. We it looks lot, better. We have a lot to get to with the Panthers because not only do we have games to talk about, they decided to make moves. So we'll talk about them. And Absolutely. Tommy wants to spend time on the Flyers later. And since this podcast has Flyers heritage, I will allow him that. But there's also something interesting to say about that as well. I want to start by saying, here's why I think the Florida Panthers are good. And maybe you will see this differently than I do, but they've played nine games this season. And the story for the Florida Panthers this year has usually been they play about two good periods a game. In those two good periods, they do really well in possession. They generate some chances. They don't finish as well as they need to. They get two goals, perhaps. They'll get a power play and they'll look like, you know, they have a great power play again. But in the 15 to 20 minutes when they're not good, almost always three goals go in. When they're bad, things go really wrong. When they're good, they don't go quite as good, which means on the whole, even though they might be the better team, you know, on the balance of a game, they still aren't getting necessarily the results. Some of that has to do with the fact that, you know, it's not just that they have the most shots in the league on average. It's when you look at the numbers, it would suggest that this team is playing better. And even when you're watching the game, you think, this does not look like the Panthers from recent years. They look very, very different. And now we're seeing much more of what Joel Quenville wants his teams to play like. It's not Bob Boogner's Panthers with different goaltending. It looks more like what Joel Quenville wants it to. And that's to be expected. And as time goes on, that's going to continue, right? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely more puck possession. There's definitely more purpose um, and more poise. I mean, if, if one thing you could talk about when they have the puck in the offensive zone the big difference is they have poise with it or they're at least trying to have poise with it um and there is an assuredness on the puck now and not even yeah. just in the offensive zone but in their breakouts the breakouts Absolutely. look a lot different and they're a lot better how many times last year and we're, we're going to say this a thousand times because it's worth it how many times did we see last year defensemen just getting caught with the puck with all the forwards up high turn the puck over counterattack the other way probably a goal this year, that just doesn't happen as much. It's just there's a lot. It's, purpose is a good word. There's a lot more intelligence with some of these plays. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Everything has a purpose. Everything is designed to go to somewhere else. And these are patterns that are predictable. These are patterns that are being enforced in practice. These are being enforced in game. 
and there's a reason why every single thing is being done. And that is not something you can normally say about the Florida Panthers, because that hasn't really happened all that often. Absolutely. They just... It's really a first. They had it under Gallant, but it wasn't to the same level, I think we could say. Maybe with I, Gallant, I still, you could say I still had... think it was a lot more of just lightning in a bottle. Um, and this this seems a lot more crafted, a lot more um, workmanlike. Uh, and and not to say that obviously Gallant's system is is a lunch pail, you know, workman mentality type sis- aggressive system, but it, it's this is definitely much more sticking within a certain way of playing the game, and you can see that with the way Quinville has designated his bench a charlie achari was the one playing 22 minutes when they went down to center uh because achari is playing the way he wants it to be played and when huberto goes out of line he's quick to get sat down same with dadnov and barkov and stuff we saw it when that line oh, gave up a goal yeah um, seven minutes without playing which only joel quenville could have ever not only a done that but b gotten away with it Right, and, and you Kendall you don't it, you go like you know what he's doing it for a reason. Let's let's not put a, let's not say it, it was definitely all because of they gave they were on the ice when that goal happened or anything like that. You know, Barkov's been on and off injured this whole year, and you know at some point he's going to have to sit down. Um, and we can talk about is, why they picked up two centers. The, the good news is for that is that the schedule does lighten up after this road trip. There's a stretch where they're going to go five days without a game. So that's going to help once they get through this nasty little bit that they're going through. There's a stretch next year, next week when they, they play Colorado on a Wednesday, they play Detroit on a Saturday, and they don't play again until another Thursday. So they have one game in a week. So that'll lighten the load a yeah, little bit. And that's but going I, to help. I do think that the goal should be um, to, to give Barkov some games off this year. So you're At this point, about load management, I, sir. Yeah, at this point, you have to carry that mindset through the rest of the season because he started off. This is three games that he's either left, sat, you know, kind of sat down or, and, and, and taking time off because of injury or something or other. And at some point, it's better to just heal it. Like, it doesn't I, that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but here's one thing I want to say and, that's interesting about your Noel Achari point. You know how Joel Quenville last year said if there's any way he wanted his team to play, he said the Boston Bruins. Are you surprised that Noel Achari is getting all this ice time when Noel Achari basically already played the way that Joel Quenville wanted it to be played for, I don't know, however long he was in Boston? No, and I, that doesn't surprise me at all. And it, well, he's been good. There's, there's, I have no issues with Noel Achari. I, well, I do want to say that because I actually absolutely. think he, he's done. And, he, that line has done, you know, better than I ever thought it could do. And we'll get to that more later, I would suspect. But it's like, hey, a modern NHL fourth line, isn't that nice? Achari doing well is why is one reason why Brian Boyle's here. Um, I think Brian Boyle would have been a better addition if. We could have got him through camp instead of Troy Brower. Um, that maybe yeah, would have been a better. Brower, I will say that. Uh, yeah, I mean he's he's fine, it, but like if you look at 
the Panthers' depth chart than center. They needed guys like Alexis Sorella. They needed Brian Boyle. They needed Nolachari. Um, the more you look at it, especially with the way Quinville's decided to handle Borgstrom, Borgstrom's not going to be used unless he does X, Y, and Z. We don't. We can kind of guess what X, Y, and Z is based on old co- coaching adages, and you know. Well, also you can and and, on- and watching Borgstrom and how he, how passive he is out on the ice. But not only that, uh, things like that. Not only that with Borgstrom, and I'm still opposed to him being sent down. But I at least now I get it. It's not like last year where there was no rhyme or reason for it. Still annoying. But you know why I can tell what Joel Quenville is trying to do at least has somewhat of a purpose. Because Dennis Mulgan is now one of the best Panthers. He's had the best stretch of his career because he's doing what Joel Quenville wants him to do. Or whatever Joel Quenville whispered in Dennis Mulgan's ear. Is well, no. Like- I don't. I think, I think basically what happened was finally Joel Quenville just, just let him be. He, Quenville tried to do other stuff on him like everybody else. But in the end, I think it's just Malkin was finally given the, the time to, to play up in the lineup and giving trust. And once he was given trust, he could do all those fancy dipsy do plays at the blue line. He could do, he could just hold the puck for long in the shifts because he was used to get yelled at for holding the puck too long and stuff like that. But that's what makes him go when he's on. Which makes perfect and, sense for Joel Quenville's puck possession system. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, it's, it just took a while for Quenville to figure it out and how to use him. Um, but he's just letting him be Malgin, and Malgin earned that in a way that Borgstrom didn't, because Malgin did play the system. I don't think Borgstrom's played the system, and I think a lot of what Quindle has to do and sending Quin- Borgstrom down, and you know, only and I think making Borgstrom work his way out is undoing all the bad development that's been placed on Borgstrom the last couple of years. I mean, what should have happened was you had a second year draft eligible late first round guy who was a, you know, as somewhat of a pretty big risk profile. And he had a great first year at Denver. He was at the high. It was never, you had to make him take the next step after that and keep that momentum going in his development and by sending him back, which we argued at the time was not the right call. Um, you know, potentially it's potentially, I think it's started the trend of stagnation. Yeah. And allowing him to kind of just, he doesn't have to sink or swim. So he doesn't keep ratcheting up. The intensity isn't there. Um, there's a little too much hand-holding well, and a little year, too much like, yo-yo. He should have been on the team, and he wasn't, but there was no rhyme or reason for it. It was just he was sent down, and then eventually they called him up because they had no choice. They had to. This year, if you have Brian Boyle, who I think is eventually going to play wing because I don't think you're moving Morgan out of center at this point when Trocek's healthy. If you have that, you have Achari, then suddenly Henrik Borgstrom has nowhere to go, and he has to earn that spot back which is not something he's had to do. And that is a difference that is critical. And it's a small difference, but Joel Quenville is allowed to say that. And if Joel Quenville is able to put Barkoff and Huberto and Dadenoff to task, then he could put anybody to task. And that... Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's kind of... 
I don't know how much it is putting it to task or well, well, mitigating words, like, injuries are all playing through. Well, and I think that's well, I that's think a cause for concern as well. Injured. Barkov clearly is not right completely. Right. And and, but and I was telling you, I was telling you they shouldn't play and everything. You're saying, oh no, they're fine, they're fine. And you know, they're they're just not. They're just clearly well, not well, fine. Barkov is clearly not. Ekblad's right. not fine. Matheson's well, not okay. fine. Like let they're me, all. Let me be honest. Let's let's say something about Ekblad and Matheson. We're recording this after the Pittsburgh game. Ekblad was Why? Sick. He was ill. He was ill. Matheson yeah. did get hurt blocking a shot. We don't know how serious those injuries are as of this point, which is really funny yeah, because Aaron they need Ekblad to stop. They need to stop fronting, fronting their opponents and blocking shots. Just tie up your guy and move him out of the crease. Don't be a don't be a screen. Well, Barkov, so like really interesting they all do story it. that's been developing this year about how there have been injuries blocking shots because of the sticks, and and I'm not going to proclaim to know anything about that, but some people yeah. have been writing about it. So it's really related to Joel Erickson act of the wild. So if you want to go take a look at that, you can. But I want to get to talk about some players here briefly, if you don't mind. We've already talked a little bit about Morgan, and I think that, you know, this is kind of what we thought he could be. And now he is definitively the third center on this team. I don't think there's any way I mean, to play some. I mean, he's been the second best center. I mean... Um, yes, he has been. Uh, in the, this whole season. Last night, and last night his... That's not good. That night. highlights the... I know, the I know, issue. I know. It's the same thing you said to me when I wrote about how great Mackenzie Weaker's been, and it's the same principle, and I understand that, but I, I don't want to be negative as much as I want to celebrate how good these players have been. Uh, he should have been playing with um, Hoffman and Connolly last night instead of Vitrano and Howerluck. However, that line was the best line the Panthers had, so... Yeah. It, it's, just, it's just fascinating how sometimes you see a switch turn on, and, and we saw it with Mackenzie Weger, who is our favorite player ever and has been playing like it. Barkov's our favorite player ever. I know. It's not, well, let me, not well, even in jest. I, I know. But let's, but let's be fair to him. He's been the Panthers' best defenseman this year. He has been. Well, Ekblad, but... Well, oh, so we're going to go... Okay. Well, I, well, the fact that they've been paired together and actually been playing really dang well... Some of that's Joel Quenville, obviously, in the system, giving them a chance. But Uyghur's been playing really, really good. Let's be, let's, let's be honest. Yeah. And, and that's, again, but they, last year he was scratched multiple times for no reason. And this year he he's still has a tendency. I, I, and the issue is he's playing too high up in the lineup. And when he does, he feels – whenever he plays a lot of minutes, um, there's a tendency for him to try to do too much. And whenever sometimes he's, yeah. And so I don't know how they limit that other than um, deciding who who of these like all right defensemen who have good natural skill sets that they want to, you know, invest in shipping the other ones out and getting some better defensemen to push them down the the order a bit because, um, you know, it's just, it's not helpful to have your best defenseman playing over their heads all the time that's asking uh for something to go wrong and you see it fatigue later in the game in the second period with the long change um that's when they struggle why because that's when you know Uyghurs playing a lot of shifts um back to back or 
um, you know, doing shorthanded and then, you know, going right back on five on five mm-hmm. uh, with the long change, but can't get off. It's a conditioning thing that will eventually change. It, it's, used it's, to it. it's a conditioning thing, but it's also like you're also, you having guys playing these matchups they probably shouldn't play over and over and over again in long shifts where it's harder for them to get off the ice. Um, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. Just, they, so you, so it makes, you then... it's, it's a reason why they, it seems like all their turnovers end up in the back of the net. You know what I mean? Like that's, I, I can see that. Do you, so what would then would you do? Because Quenville has the setup where there are, two you gotta get better. You gotta get a better defense on that until they get better defensemen, which you, I would you can't do much. Cause I think they are playing, you know, to this, like, I think the pairings have been pretty good. You've been limiting Yandel's five on five time. Yep. Uh, I mean, it's, it's really just getting Brown out of the lineup, pushing some guys down and getting in and bringing, so Brown out someone at the top of the lineup in and pushing guys down. I mean, that's, that's the you move. Think that's going to happen at some point. Yeah, Pissick out as 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 well. You know, well, and it's still it's still been up because he was playing it forward. That's that's so funny because Joel Quenville, again, one of the few coaches that could ever get away with something like this, is basically saying, "I really yeah, don't like well, the way you people are playing it forward. I don't, so I'm going to play Mark Pessick at forward. He's not going to get away with it from us. Oh, um, no, I don't no, care no, who I'm it is. Really, if it was I'm really not a fan of that, I hated it. So right. And if and if we ever saw Joe Quenville in person, we would tell him like uh, you know. probably, but I mean maybe not. I'm not. I'm a bit of a coward sometimes, and I don't know if I'd tell Joe Quenville <laughs> that. Uh, but I think for well, if it was the only yeah yeah I know. But it's interesting when you talk about the date because they have been playing better. I think it's it's very much um, it's a positive that they're playing a lot better, right? Of course, because every one of them looks better. Well, well let's focus on the top four. Yeah, so who is the top four? <laughs> it's it's, it's Ekblad right now. It's Ekblad, Uyghur, Strawman, and Matheson. Those are the four that he's playing real five-on-five five minutes. And all of them, we can say, look better than they did a year ago. I don't know about Strawman. We only watched him when he played Florida. And again, Strawman definitely looks better than he did last year. This Strawman is, actually looks good. He, he is Strawman. playing really well. I think you got to give credit to Anton Strawman. It's, I don't know how well that contract's going to look in the future, but this year he's doing exactly what the Panthers wanted him to do. You just need, really, you just need him to be good, to just be good in the two in two playoffs out of the three playoffs. Hopefully that he plays in under contract and. Yep. Well, there's also let's also say this because I th- you've been saying Aaron Eckblad. I think last year, the, Dom Lucision wrote in the Athletic in his Panthers preview article how interesting Eckblad's underlying numbers were, like how yeah. good he is at certain things like zone entry breakups, which he's really one of the best in the league at. And yeah. other things he was giving up. It was a really interesting article. You have the athletic go back and read it. Uh, it it's another piece of evidence, and we need to get Ekblad a partner to yep. unlock the potential of the team. Do you think that's Ekblad think is a first a pairing defenseman? I think it's happened but, a little with Uyghur, but not yeah. a ton. But more than it's happened with everybody else he's played with. Ekblad's kind of like Ryan Suter. Like he's a first pairing defenseman, but he needs that ying to his yang to really take it to that next level, um, and you know then he can be what you want him to be. Then he can be everything that fans get on him for not being. I think um, he's been closer to that this year, though. Sure. Yeah, and I think he's going to get closer to it every year. 
you know, for the next couple of years. But the way to really unlock it is to give him that person who takes away um, his de- deficiencies. Uyghur seems to be that, but the problem is Uyghur is not talented enough. I mean, to, he's playing hang. pretty well. I don't know how yeah. long. I wrote when I wrote yeah. about it for the rat trick. I said I don't know how long it's going to continue. I hope it continues for but a while. It's, but you just don't know whether it is or not. Yeah, all things considered, I mean, Uyghur has definitely been a player that's always beaten the odds as far as his projections have gone. But it's it's more likely than not that this is like the best stretch of Uyghur's career. So we don't want to get too attached to it. <laughs> Um, and yeah, let's make use of it for sure, um, and not not let it go in vain, and, Again, and get him some playoffs. Get another defenseman, but... he could be a third pairing guy with Yandel, and even though he'd pay third pairing minutes, yeah. he would be better than Josh Brown, obviously. But he'd also oh, yeah, sure. make we'd also make Yandel less of a liability five on five. Which uh, I mean, I think I think we're getting to the point where. Like we've been saying for a while, Florida needs to commit to moving one of Yandel or Matheson because they're just running it. There's only so many spots. Uh, this mix isn't working. They need to move money well, and bodies maybe out. I say, maybe I would say this. It's new bodies and prospects in. reasonably say it could work. Yeah. But they, I mean, you, you're seeing them do movement now. And, um, a lot of people are saying, why did they get two centers when they need defensemen? Uh, and, and as much as they need defensemen, um, the one thing you always need is NHL centers. Uh, you can never have enough NHL centers. That, I would agree with that. That will never get old. They are the best players in in hockey or centers, the, typically. They are the most important. They play the most minutes. They have the most responsibility. Um, and when you don't have any, it shows. And if Florida does have – Florida's on the precipice right now of having injury woes, um, and they're walking on the right side of it. But if something goes wrong, like if Hubert really takes a puck to the face or something or Barkov just can't shake whatever is ailing him and has to go out for a while, who's going to step up? Jonathan Ang? Because that's who it looks like because Borgstrom's – not a call up Borgstrom has to work on stuff Tippett's not a center um you know Brian, they signed Brian Dominic Tana- right yeah Dominic Tonato I mean like or whatever his name is Tonato. like yeah Greco like who are they well, go- they needed him you know that's why they needed Alexei Alexei Sorella who's okay. on the precipice of being NHL ready let's get let's two go good couple, let's go to years NHL yeah, let's go to a couple things now with these transactions. First, I, let's go for Brian Boyle, firstly. This signing is interesting because I was surprised when it happened. I thought it was directly related to, oh my God, Barkov's hurt for a while. Turned out not to be the case. But what's interesting with Boyle is I don't think he's bad. Like, let, let me be clear. Like, he had a horrible stretch in Nashville last year where he did nothing. And my worry was when the Panthers signed him is that that's the kind of Brian Boyle they were getting. Now, his first game, you're never going to want to judge anything on the first game. He's got a lot more to go. And if this team's fully healthy, he's probably not playing at center. He's probably playing in wing because Dennis Morgan's your 3C. Uh, but even then, it's just... It's or not- do you move Trocek over? Because that, that hasn't... I mean, that's another thing that doesn't get talked about because, one, because things are going well enough, and two, because there's other stuff to talk about. But Trocek has been 
okay. His best time came, and it always does, when Barkov's out the lineup. Barkov's not on the bench. Barkov's not playing. That's Trocek's best time because that's when he gets to put it all on me, and that actually works. Um, um, yeah, I, I will so, agree with that. I will agree with that. I think that makes sense. I don't so think he's he, been, again. I don't think he's been bad. Let's be fair. Like last year when he no, was healthy, I don't think he's he been was bad. bad. This year he's but, been fine. Um, I think that again to the fact that Dennis Malgin and Nolachari are oh, rivaling yeah, him. It's, as, it's, it's kind of ironic for, when you think Dennis time. Malgin and Nolachari are playing better than he is, which is true because they both are, and. It's, it's yeah. because it is that it's because Vincent Trocek's game, as we've said, like hair on fire hockey, basically. Or yeah. in sometimes with those with those two, Malgan and, and Achari, they're much more structured in the way that they played. And it's and it's worked. And I think Trocek will get there. He still has, again, a lot of bad habits that you have to get out of his head. And he will get there, I think. But eventually, you at like that's the, that's the problem. You can't. They, the Florida Panthers can't just keep saying this is going to get worked out. They have to start making choices and building their roster around it. If Trocek is this age with this much game experience and he still can't get these bad habits, maybe he's just a winger. Maybe he's trade material to get that defenseman you need because you have to give to get and to get a top pair left defenseman you might have to give up a guy like Trocek or Borgstrom you know maybe Borgstrom was just a miss in the draft maybe you know if he can't get that if he just can't develop a more active engaged playing style um or Borgstrom is at least younger so or just earn the trust yeah but you know this is this goes to they have to start doing this with defensemen too like if Matheson Matheson's getting better and everything, but we, we that haven't is talked a, about him yet. Can I? Can that I is a that big at contract. Least, at least now, yes, there is the contract. But at least now, Mike Matheson looks a little bit more like the Matheson that was actually good. He looks like he's more consistent. The problem is, he ha, he's consistently not the defenseman that you want at that contract, and. We already have people who can play left defense at that role. Like he's not. If you have, if Yan, if you're dead set, but like we can't move Yandel because he has the no movement clause because he's so so well liked and because of the power play production, yada yada yada. Well, I think it's fine. because of the no move clause than anything right. else. Right, absolutely. But you can argue any of those points. I'll give it to you that. So that there's only two spots left on the left side. Um, One's Uyghur at this point. Yeah. And then at, you need to move a left defenseman. You need to start matriculating, so to speak, your left defenseman because you just had to trade one because your three best players in the AHL team are left defensemen. <laughs> how how long is that going to last? That's before, really ironic. If- before 26, you know, you, you took a chance on Ethan Pro just like you did with McDonald before – and it's working out, but they're in their mid twenties. They're trying to get you know a hundred games at the NHL level, seeing if they can do it. Like they want to prove to themselves that hey, I at least I could have done it, or I did it for a year or something, or or to make a and career. And this is like their last are, shot. And then your other two are yeah, keeper, are, who is playing decently well, and Riley Stillman, who should have been on this team. So right, yeah. I mean, I think keeper needs the full year oh, you're, you're at the not HL wrong. level. You're not wrong. And we said that still. But, like, he is old. I mean, he is well, old. He's 23. 
you know, like he he's a, he would have been a 16 draft year, I think, right? Right. Yeah, but I mean, he's yeah, like and him Shem Shemtich, like, and obviously those guys, they're right-handed D, they're and Kanunin, they're like a whole different ball game. But if you're looking for defensemen and you have a bunch of defensemen who you see you you seem to say catch your eye keeper stillman yada yada and you say you want to integrate them you got to do it at some point and just like we're seeing with brian boyle like it's hard to just bring a new guy in um yeah so it is it's better to do it sooner rather than later and that's why i always ask for it so early it happens playing in the nhl and this is my biggest objection with the boyle signing was at some point I know why you signed Brian Boyle. I understand why. My my guess is that uh, Joel Quenville went to Dale Talon after playing Mark Pesek at wing and said, I need somebody else. And so instead of making a trade, which well, is good. I, I, think, I think that for a while they probably were having these discussions. And as soon as they had, as soon as they had to play Pesek, it was okay let's 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 offer him the contract and then it took like a day or whatever to to get the job done and yeah which um, again it's fine brian boyle is not troy brower brian boyle is at least and again not michael haley so we we don't want to say that like as i said i i wonder whether jace howerluck could eventually be that he played fine last night and if trocek's still hurt he's going to continue to play but as i say like at some point you have to give the young players at least a chance and the, the problem is Matheson's not going on this road trip. Is he not going on the this road four trip? game four game road trip? He's not going. Trochek's going. Matheson's not. Okay. I'm and look you know with, with this, this you know with this ownership and how much they're spending on the actual payroll, he might not be given a plane ticket to catch up later in the road trip. He ah. could just be done. <laughs> um, but let you know, me, so say, uh, where are... they should be taking another defenseman with them. Who is it going to be? There's no way you can go into a four a four game road trip in you know out on the Western Conference and not take did seven you, where days. Where did you see Matheson's not going on the road trip? By the way, on the old twi- Twitter bird. Who, who said that? Um, I can't remember. Well, I'm looking to figure it out. There's only three people who tweet well, definitive information. Three tweet about the Panthers, and they didn't mention it. So. I think he's going on the road trip. He might not just not play. No, he's not going. I, I, he's not going on the road trip. That's what I heard. That's what I saw. Um, I'm sticking to it. I, I can't find it. So, we'll, we'll find out whether you're right very soon. Um, here's what's. Interesting. I wish you could just search your own timeline instead of having to search. Well, there's a lot of things on my timeline. I probably don't want to see on a Wednesday afternoon. Um, uh, anyway, uh, even if he doesn't play, it's like you. If you're going to bring an extra fence, you could IR him, obviously, and bring up Stillman if you needed to. But the, the thing, this is why they need to move Pesek. Well, the reason why they're not somebody. moving Mark Pesek is because they might actually need him when Matheson's hurt. They wouldn't need Mark Pesek if they just had Stillman up all year know, because Stillman would have had four, three, four games already by now. I know. We, we've 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 batted that one into the ground. So let let's be let's be fair. Let's be fair to Mark Pesek. He hasn't been... Okay, the one game he played on D against Carolina, he was awful. And then he played it forward, and he wasn't very And good. he was awful. And then last night... Not, he was not his fault. He was fine. 
Can I do? Can I want to say one thing about these last? Yeah, games but it's more. Them? It's more just he doesn't. He's they need. They have too many rights. They need to replace with lefts. Yes, and we and know that teams need them out there. They need the cap. Need the cap. It's nothing. Nothing personal, Mark. No, we we never we we try to say like we're looking at this from a hockey transactional perspective, which is inherently inhuman, if you know what I mean. We try not to look at it that way. And we have bunch of defensemen who are better. Yeah. Well, he is. He he seems like a very good human being, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um. Yes, New Jersey, uh, Winnipeg. Please trade for Mark Pasek. Ethan Prowl's a righty. Jeez. Why do they have so many? Remember this year they said, like, oh, we need to go out and get right-handed defensemen? We have two left-handed defensemen. And then they changed it to left-handed defensemen after a while, which was yeah, interesting. Stillman is our third left-handed defenseman. Basically. Well. This uh, is why I always caution against worrying about handedness. Like, you only need to worry about it, like, if you actually at dire times. Yeah. But I Other think than on, that, just on the general no sense, way. like, what are the biggest things you've noticed? Because we've watched all of these games. What is the, the biggest thing I notice is it's still just a roster construction issue. It seems that a lot of the goaltending is going to be there. And oh, when, we have to get to that. We have to get to that. And, you know, like, their goaltending's markedly improved right now. And Sergei Borovsky's always the worst in October. And, uh,. You know, I, I think that's going to be improved. Their coaching is definitely improved. Um, it's just now it's you need for to wait for it to settle, and you need to wait for them to make some more roster moves. I'm now a little less patient because they made some roster moves, and it makes and it signals to me they're willing to start making changes. So now I'm like, all right, let's start calling up D. Let's start doing this and that, like because we got some injuries, we got some reason to. Um, it makes sense, no? That's just yeah, what... I can see that. But on the whole, like, if you look back on any time under Bob Bugner, this team is playing infinitely better. And, yeah. And, and I mean, that... they haven't played this good. They haven't played this well as a team and this cohesive and, co- and like, as dependable. A... Like, it's just de- dependable. Like, you can see that they, like – when Achari's about to get blasted in the neutral zone, you can see he knows that he can put the puck in this place, and Howerluck is dependable to go and get that puck and keep or possession. Grant or Colton Sevier. Yeah. And, and that's, and, you know, you can see that with Hoffman and Malgin when sometimes, like, they come in and off the ice. Like, whatever, what they do at practice, what how they are in the locker room and everything it's translated into the ice i don't know what the special ingredient is what q exactly is doing different but you can tell that by the media coverage they're doing a lot of new things and the res- the results are different and you know how cohesive just to keep using that same word um, uh, well, well yeah. also you look at it like the panthers in a lot of games this year they were dominating in terms of of shots, right? They were dominating in terms of just generating shots. Yeah. And the last two games when they didn't have Trocek, they didn't have Barkov, what they have is, is, I mean, they played low event hockey. Like the last two games have been dull as dirt, but they've won those games because they knew exactly what they needed to do in a game that they were shorthanded in. And they, and it worked. They still didn't, you know, they didn't get away from playing their game, right? 
but they played, as you say, a, a style of hockey that was conducive to what they were dealing with, and it worked. Under recent Planthers coaches, that never would have happened. It didn't matter how the Panthers were in terms of their lineup and who was in and who was out, because those decisions when they were healthy were often just arbitrary. With the Panthers, okay, Joel Quenville sees Vincent Trocek's out, so we have to do something different. Aaron Eckblad's out, so we have to do something different. And yes, they're playing a Penguins team that's basically playing half of Wilkes-Barre Scranton. But they are changing the but, way that they I mean, play. to be fair, when is Pittsburgh not doing that? This is and also they're usually pretty they're good. always perpetually so. injured. Uh, it's, yeah. it's very interesting how that happens. But didn't you see that in the last two games? Like, they, they played a slightly different game to compensate for the fact that they weren't fully healthy. And well, we talked about this, like the need to play different games, to be able to run different offensive schemes, to to when something doesn't go your way, to be able to change gear and still have a chance at success. Again, the That's what you have to do in the playoffs. Same, but the but the application of those principles is different. That's what yeah. good coaches do. And You're just adjusting is definitely. Do- oh, it's it's clear that they're doing that because you watch. Some of these games, like against the Abs, where they're putting up 40-something shots, and then you watch them against Nashville and Pittsburgh, and there's only 24, and they still win. Like, and, and, go, and if you think about it, you know, when you play against Colorado, you know what the game that's going to be. That's going to have to be you have to outshoot and them. They you played have to, and they did. Better than when Colorado you go, for most of that game, which was interesting. Right. And then when you look at the other teams, they're games that are more, you know, like more like chess, more winning the neutral zone, more maintaining possession and taking advantage of your opportunities when you get them. And that's how you that's how you have to play those teams. And they did that. And you want you like seeing that, especially early in the season, because when you get into a seven game series, uh, that kind of has to be automatic. And, you know, you can't. Also, when you're it's, on a it's long a road trip and in the situation right. that they're in, the Western Canada, you know, California road trips, you have to do that. And it's this is not a defining road trip, but it, I mean, like as I said, they're in first wild card position already. If it's going to be a good test. Oh I yeah, mean, because I mean, it's not like these teams are juggernauts. I mean, Edmonton's playing well, but you could explain some of that, and you play Colorado at the end of it. But this is, and, and always, you know, having it early in the season. It's also good, and you know, if you want to talk about intangibles and team bonding stuff, like when you're at home, you don't see your teammates very often, but when you're on your road, you do that all the time. And to have a long road trip like this, you know, a week long grind of a road trip this early in the season, I mean, I'd rather get it out of the way now as opposed to getting it out of the way and when the Panthers normally have their Western Canadian road trip, which is like January. So, I mean, there, there, there is that. But I also want to say, I looked ahead to the schedule. And it's too early because obviously it is. But you know what the game I'm really interested in for the Panthers is? I don't know. Probably over Christmas. No, 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 no. The holiday season. In a couple of weeks, they go to Boston and they play the Bruins. They normally never play the Bruins in November, let alone the Bruins in Boston. They play the Bruins in November? They play the Bruins in November. They normally have to go to Boston the first time in March. But they're playing the Bruins on a Tuesday night in November. It's not a game that's going to get a lot of coverage. But that's going to be a really interesting game. Because Boston this year, just, they look like the Bruins. They're playing really, really well. And well, the first lines, you know, know, lights it's out. Just, it's so it's going to be interesting, you know, how what center Quenville matches up against them. To see, how does Joel Quenville play the Boston Bruins? That's the test where the Panthers are going to basically play a spinning image of themselves. Or what Joel Quenville wants his team to be. That's one of the most intriguing early season Panthers games I can remember. 
because that is a legitimate real test. And that, that's in a couple of weeks. It's in the midst of a, a little quick three-game road trip in the stretch where they're playing a lot of home games. But it's going to be one of the more intriguing Panthers games that you would ever get in November. But we have to get now, 40 minutes in, you need to talk about goaltending. I'm nervous because we disagree here. It's fine. We do a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't understand the art of goaltending. Oh, so boy. I'm just chalking it up. Goal saved bug expectation, and Sergei Bobrovsky oh is really into the bottom of the chart. Well, yeah. Don't look at that. Why shouldn't I look at that? Because it's just stupid to look at that six games in or seven games in or whatever. How many he's played? I mean, he he's had some played. stinkers, so that's going to throw everything out of whack. He's. He is. I mean, like. But he's been good enough, and what well, he's okay. needed to do about, is I, I prove. About I will say this: last night he was very one good. to ten. One to ten. What what has been your overall number? One to ten. Let's see how different we are in in that. Jeez. If I go back to all the games that he's played, because the two games that he hasn't played in, um, that includes basically the Carolina game, so that's two and two thirds. Four and a half. See, I think you're way off. I mean, I think he's been like a 7 out of 10. I, I think that, again, if, if I look at just the way that he's played. Now, again. He's kept Pittsburgh, them in games. He's oh, made big, he's made big really saves. He's made good, important big saves. I'm and you not can't, denying that. You can't be under. You, you, you can't be under good doing that. You just can't be. Well, I think that. If you're a good enough goaltender, as is Sergei Bobrovsky, there's a certain point in which talent means you're going to make crazy saves, right? The Panthers haven't had a goaltender like this since, I mean, basically Luongo a couple years ago where he still was Roberto Luongo. So now what you have is a goalie who is making these saves, but still, it hasn't been great. And I know you might not like save percentage goals against average, but they haven't been good. They really haven't been. Now, there have been, that Pittsburgh game was one where he played really well. I, I do want to say that. Against Buffalo, he was also really good. But in the other games, he hasn't been. And, and the reason why I say that is because when you watched Sam Montembeau play, when he's coming in down 4 nothing at home against Carolina, he's on the road in the back-to-back against the Islanders, he's on the road in the back-to-back against the Predators when the Panthers are injured, I have to say that Sam Montembeau, in the very small sample size, has played better. Would you agree with that? No. No? No. I, I wouldn't. I think Sam Montembeau's played better. I do. I think relative to his expectations, sure. But Well, I think that if you look at the situations and the games that he's been asked to play in, if you want to throw the Carolina game out, that's fine. Joel Quenville did. Uh, against the Islanders, back end of a back-to-back, I think he played pretty solid. He didn't have to Yeah, he, I mean, he's been great. Shots. I mean, he, he's been Nashville, the goalie the that we where you really saw how good he was. He gave up one goal that he probably shouldn't have given up. But other than that, for a team that was basically trying to survive the game, back-to-back, on the road, at a team that's averaging nearly five goals a game, you don't have your top two centers at most points in that game, and they come out of there with a win. That's on Montembeau playing really well and really being composed and solid. And you can see that he's changed a few things in his game, and he looks like what the Panthers thought he could be, which is me basically saying, you know, he doesn't look, he looks better than your average backup, at least in the small sample size we have. And we're going to see him in one of the games on the Western Canadian road trip because they're going to have to do it with a back to back. But he's playing well. 
And when I just look at it, even just my recollection of those games, he's looked better than Bobrovsky has looked. Again, excepting the Pittsburgh and Buffalo games where he has played pretty well. I just do, I, I don't think Bobrovsky is going to be this bad forever, but there is enough evidence to suggest that he hasn't he been He keeps saying words like this bad and all this stuff, and I get it. I, I just don't see it. Um, I love Montembeau. I mean, I've wanted the Panthers to draft Montembeau. I think he's going to be a starting goaltender in well, the NHL for Seattle or somebody. It's going to but, stink when they lose him to Seattle in the expansion draft. Cause I mean, that's are. that's the best case scenario for me because I want Montembeau to be a starting goaltender in the NHL. And, and with Bobrovsky. And Spencer. Yeah, with, but yeah, exactly. They're, he's just getting it from both ways now. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, oh, that was interesting phrasing there. But I, I agree with you. But he is playing well, and for the time being, he's a, yeah. he's a backup that you can trust. Absolutely. And maybe somebody who might play a little bit more. I'd give like if the, when they're playing the Red Wings on a Saturday night, and the Red Wings are trash. Why do you need to start Bobrovsky? You don't need to start Monbo. It's not going to kill you if you do. Should. That, that's what right, we're saying. So, let's get on to the Flyers before we run out of time. I think we're going to be, uh, oh, yeah, Flyers. Well, Flyers. I, we promised our Philadelphia fan base yes. uh, they love us. Before the Panthers. Loyal listeners. We have, we have the lineage of the Flyers, so we'll talk about it. One more thing about the Panthers. They're going into this Western Canadian Colorado road trip. They're in a playoff position. I know you're not entirely sold yet, but what would sell you on saying, okay, the Panthers are actually good? What on this road trip could sell you? If they call up defensemen, if they <laughs> okay, work. Okay, on the ice, if they, all of these things. What no, would no, sell this you? is what I'm saying. If they use, if they use their roster well, if they show me that they can use their roster to overcome little hiccups and hurdles, that's how you pick up those extra points to stay in a, playoff spot all the way through the season when things happen you have to use your whole roster if they they have to get up to 23 roster spots they have to start moving people up and down i mean they're showing the proclivity and they're starting to get really good at it in that they can win games when trocek or barkov or Akblad and all that stuff's out which is really good but they need to t- take the next step of all right, Matheson's not going to be here. Let's call up a defenseman. Let's work them into at least two of the games, right? Let's let's get them some time. Let's get let's see if we can get Salarella up. You know, I don't know how his waiver. Um, um since he's been well, traded, I wonder out. if he's. I think he's probably waivers eligible because he was a 2015 draft year. By the way, Sarala was involved in the Eric Stahl trade from uh, waivers exempt. Is he waivers exempt? Waivers exempt. I don't know for how much longer, but I don't know how much longer. But uh, he, then he was involved in the uh, Calvin DeHaan, you know, Forsling, Forsberg trade. He, he was a guy that was really good last year with the Charlotte Checkers, but he just never got a chance because you know Carolina is really good. So maybe he gets a chance with the Panthers. I don't know. I knew you were gonna love him because he's a Finn, and he's until he 160. Oh, he's got 160 games left to, oh, to he? these wow. waivers. Yeah, Yikes. so. So, our duly departed Ian McCaution, who never became what he could have been. Hey, I mean, I was on on the Twitter feed talking about, you know, the inability to draft, develop. Is it an issue with who they draft? Yeah, a bit. Is it an issue with how they develop? 
Absolutely. So I think it's much more of an issue um, how they develop. And is it an issue with um, – well, I mean, I don't – I think it's a little bit I – th- I think it's 60-40. I, I'll let you argue which one's which. But Well, I mean, when you look at the fact that they have developed players like – you know, Trocheck became an NA, a very good NHL player. Uyghurs become a but every good. NHL team has developed good NHL players. Well, I That's know. just you know, like we're talking, like they have, I, I, you know, they do the bare minimum, maybe the next level above the bare minimum. That's that's what they're operating it under. Looks like they're starting ten years right into now? the blueprint, <laughs> but I it's know. ten years into the blueprint, and we've given. I mean, I like Dale Talon. I think he's good. But is he good enough to make this better? I don't know. And I'm starting to lose faith that, like, how are we supposed to believe that Kalnichuk's going to be this person that he's going to be when this is how they talk about Tyler Nemoto and Max Gildan and stuff who just don't ever pan out. Just they're, they're not panning out right. Uh, you know? A couple and... bits of negativity to have on your to have on your head while we talk about the Panthers. Okay, let's move on to the let's move on to the Flyers. This park has his Flyers heritage. Tommy wants to talk about it, and I think the Flyers are interesting because they're actually a good possession team. They're interesting this year. Uh, they're interesting this year. If you go to the NHL Network YouTube channel, you can see them. You know, in training camp and stuff. There's what I think there's like five or six yeah, episodes, five episodes or something like. Did you watch that? Uh, I've watched three of them. It's pretty it's pretty solid. They focus on a lot of the new players, like, you know, a lot of Kevin Hayes, a lot of Alain and Vigneault, a lot of, um, you know, James Van Reeves, like, I guess, who's newer but also older. Um, Feels like he's been with the Flyers forever, but he actually <laughs> spent a lot of time in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. Well, he wasn't winning either. I either. know. Poor, poor JVR. He's not that bad. No, but he's snake bitten this year. He's got like thirty-five something shots and like no goals. Yeah, it's the same thing with Barkoff. It's like I know he's not healthy, but he's not going to continue to shoot zero percent. Don't worry, it's going to go in for him at some point. Yeah. Uh, but what's interesting with the Flyers is they're they're actually they just beat Vegas up five nothing or something like that, which not too bad. Like they've had their they sneakers. needed they needed that they they did because they had that Western Canadian road trip wasn't great for them. But, you know, like, they, 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 they did well against Chicago, who's not great. The Devils, not great. Then they have to go on this Western Canadian road trip, which sucks. And then they get to come home. They lose to Dallas, who had been looking awful. Yeah. And then they destroy Vegas. And so you're like, okay, normal service resumed, sort of. But also, they're just bringing up young players, which is interesting. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> I don't know if this is why I'm a fan of both teams, but they're somewhat similar, and they always seem to have a similar storyline through the year. Uh, it's new coach, new goalie, so to speak. Um, you the, the same way you feel about Bobrovsky, I'm feeling about Carter Hart right now. Um, oh, you, I mean, see, it's so funny, because I remember that save he made against New Jersey, which was, like, yeah, completely but- insane. If Carter Hart has made more of those saves, I'd probably feel the way I, I do about Bobrovsky, but um, he just hasn't made as many of those saves as, as I think he should, he could have. And he just really looked, you know, not in some games early on, which is uh, a bit problematic. Um, their defense has looked a little better. You know, like they have a defense that they have a lot of got prospects they need to start playing Myers Morin are you surprised that um, Philippe Myers isn't on the team this year because I thought he was going to be I'm not just with how good uh you know they brought in Niskanen 
and Braun. Braun's been not bad, but Niskanen's been really good. I'm also um, really that, surprised by that because I thought that Niskanen was basically washed. Yeah, I mean, if he was, he would have went to Florida. So oh, um, that. Would you take Niskanen or Anton Strawman? I'd still take Strawman. I'd take Niskanen because they need lefties. Oh, gee. Well, Niskanen's a righty, so there you are. Is he? Is he? Yeah, he's right. He's right shot. Oh, God. I just assume everyone's a lefty now just because they need lefty. Left-handed D for the Flyers are Provorov, Gossespierre, Haig, and Moran. Oh, God. Oh, I know. I know. You're feeling, you're feeling so wonderful about everything right now. A lot of good, a lot of good, um, a lot of good vibes. A lot of good vibes. A lot of good vibes. Uh, but but it's interesting because like, again, like I I was I just didn't think they had enough gas to make the playoffs. I, I don't know whether I kept. Changing I don't know if they on that. I don't I don't know if they do either. But it's at least going to be a fun year. I mean, I haven't felt this good about the Flyers in a while. Is it because Couturier, Lindbaum, and Faraby and Konechny and, and, and Kevin Hayes seems to be playing well? Um, I think so. I think it's that there's people beyond Giroux and Provorov. And Jack. Um, yeah, that are contributing, are impacting games, and can win games or change games on their own. Um, and is, they seem to have a little more personality. Travis Sanheim's playing a lot, lot more. Um, that that's always a big help. Um, I thought that when they hired the all NHL washed coaching staff, you know, the all, you know, we're saving the planet recycling team of coaches. I did not think that I would look at the, some of these charts and go, okay, how are these teams playing? And see, the Flyers is one of the best possession teams in the league. Well, it seems everyone's buying in, and that's that's good. I mean, they're getting guys to, I think, who were stagnating, who were starting to feel like the core was starting to rot a little bit, and, you know, without having to trade away or move a lot of guys on the core, um, they've it seems fresh. And I think that's something that San Jose has managed to do um, to varying degrees of success a couple different times. And Philadelphia kind of took, has been able to do that without, um, you know, making a trade like Voracek or something that, you know, I would advocate for. And a lot of other fans said like, oh, we should trade this guy to wake up, wake up the team or something like this. Um, they've done it just by, you know, defensive additions and a center addition and a coaching addition that I wasn't really for all of them. I was leaning towards, I don't know how I feel about this caution. I'm not sure. You know, that's how I felt about all this an and they're playing. Yeah. They've got an interesting little stretch of games coming up. Um, the day you're listening to this, they're going to play Chicago and then they play Columbus Islanders penguins. So it's not like they're going through a murderer's row of teams. You know, you've got the devils, you've got Toronto, you've got, you know, you've got some decent teams in there, but they, they, you know, again, right now with the, the way that this this league is, like, at least the East is shaping up, you know, the only team that right now has gone, like, completely off some, like, off the wall, like, the Capitals have been pretty good this year, right? 
you know, Carolina's been pretty yeah. good. I think we expected both the Capitals and Hurricanes to be the best team. The Penguins are just injured. Uh, that That is definitely... Columbus has been okay. They've not been great. Uh, the Devils have been outright terrible. The Rangers, oh my God. If you look at Sean Tierney's charts or or Micah's charts or anybody, the, the Rangers, like, off the scale, no possession. It's I, crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard not to look at the Rangers and see them intentionally tanking this year. Uh, You know what? If you're playing the way that they're playing... Well, maybe... because it's a very good draft, and all they have to do is be one of... You know the bottom three teams, oh, and they're guaranteed. Talking about the 2020 draft while we're at it, because I it's going to be good. Starting to build. The the problem is, <laughs> it's only a few defensemen. Only a few defensemen. Oh, that stinks. Well, you uh, also texted yeah. me last night about Billy Hainola, and I joked, well, he has no choice. He has to play because the Jets don't have anybody else. Yeah, but it's not just that he has to play. He's breaking records he's got five points in eight games and that's the best run since Ola, oleg trevordovsky trevordovsky that's a name you haven't heard in a while and you know who had a pretty good long career um, Solid um you career. know i mean i know we were in favor of Vili Hainola. then yeah. i would have been okay with the panthers taking him but i mean some of it's because they have to get a defenseman in the first round at some points and hopefully it doesn't turn out like mathis oh <laughs> I mean, uh, compared to everybody else in that 2012 draft. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to go back. Let's be honest, but yeah, still. Yeah. Can't really say you can't really say too much. Is there anything else um, NHL league wide that's intriguing to you? Um, I think we have to talk about the Sabres, I guess. The Sabres. Yeah, I mean. It's well, the Ralph Kruger effect. Be good. Well, here's yeah. the thing. When the he's Panthers just played a... the Sabres and lost in a shootout, I thought the Panthers were the better team than Buffalo in that game. But whatever, yeah. that's one But game. they have a little bit of magic that right now. And whether that translates into... Even, even um, if Kruger plays Ristolainen and more than Darlene. That's fine. I mean, I'm not a Ristolainen hater. I, uh, I think he's... If he was not named Rasmus Ristolainen, if he was named Joe Smith, would you dislike him more? No, no. I mean, I think he—he's flawed, absolutely. Uh, yes, yeah, and definitely. a lot of his flaws are amplified because he's the guy in Buffalo because he's well liked and he's very coachable. Oh, oh by the and way, you know coaches trust him. You know what's funny? We just saw, but the the Winnipeg Jets. Just as we're talking about defensemen, they claimed Lucas Biza on waivers. Absolutely. I'm so happy Luca's back in the league. Uh, I named my dog after Luca Spiza. I love you, Luca. No, you didn't. Uh, yeah, I did. I swear to God. What? Like, yeah. not good Luca Sp- Okay, fine, whatever. Well, because it was when Flyers he was on the Flyers, and when he was good. He was good until he got concussions. Like, he got two or three concussions in after the trade to Anaheim, and he went from, like, the pros to junior like a couple times yeah. and that's a weird yo-yo that's that's weird well he is now just on the, he is now on your winnipeg jets yeah they're not mine so well unless uh, they can be mine i will be a fan of the jets if they give me patrick line ah if they trade the panthers patrick line i'll even take ellers i'm not even gonna is there anything else i i guess like the other thing that I mean, what's interesting for me, I mean, we talked about the abs. I mean, they just lost for their first time in regulation, but um, 
I feel bad now because I didn't pick them to win the Central, and I wanted to, but I couldn't convince myself to do it, and they've been the best team in the league. It's a great team. I really don't... I really don't... Like, their forward group is just... Well, a, the, the, that's the, how you the, build a forward group on a budget. I mean, it's tight. They're walking the rope, and it, it's a house of cards. It could go down any minute, you know, any offseason. But they have, you know, Colin Wilson. I mean, there's just a lot of guys I like. I like Matt Calvert. I think, yeah, I think Belmar is, uh, you know, Flyers for that connection. Team, for that team, it's useful. They needed a player yeah. like him. They got Burakovsky at a great price, and that's you know, um, yeah. It doesn't it make you feel a little bit more? Because like I think if you're asking me right now, who's the best team in the league right now? I would say Colorado. Like, doesn't that make you feel confident that the Panthers basically went toe to toe with them, played their game, and still played pretty dang well against arguably the best team in the league? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the problem with Florida is, and it's a little bit of a Borg. It's Borgstrom's kind of maybe in a vacuum what the Florida problem is. They play to, down to their competition. When they play games like Colorado and they show up, they can play with them, they can beat them. When they play games like to, to Detroit on a Thursday, whatever, and there's no one in the building, they play down to that. They play down to the atmosphere in the building, um, the for sure. last night, I mean, there wasn't a lot of yeah. people in the building, but the Panthers fans that were there were definitely booing the Penguins fans. Which I yeah, I mean, it was a good. I thought at the end of the game, it was a good atmosphere. Well, because it's um, so interesting because I was listening to ESPN on Ice and they were talking about atmospheres, and of course, Florida gets mentioned because obviously not a lot of people in the building. But I will say this about that building: if you go there when it's full, usually that means Saturday or they're playing a team that draws, i.e., the Rangers. Uh, that atmosphere is fun in there. Like it is basically like you yeah. know, fifteen thousand Panthers fans against five thousand Ranger fans, and that's fun. That's a great atmosphere to be a part um, of. I and, and, and right before we go, I'm not sure if their ice is getting better because they're doing stuff or if I'm just getting well, more and more used to it. To get better ice. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is, but their ice at home seems a little better early in the year. I don't want to say definitely, but if that's the case, crank it down a few more degrees. Let's keep it going because uh, – the way Joel Quinville wants them to play and with the talent they have, they need good ice. This is, good this is night, true, although I always thought for you, good hockey should play a style deliberately tailored to having bad ice. But, you know, maybe that's... Yeah, if we have center. a time machine to go back to 76. Or 1996. Because Doug McLean has said repeatedly that he told the, uh, the, the Zamboni people to make the ice deliberately worse for the way they want to play. That is a true statement of fact from the 96 Stanley Cup Final Florida Panthers. All right. Well, we will be back next week, of course, interview show. And there's a lot of uh, intriguing things that we will be doing with those interview shows. And if the guest that we want on is the one that we get, you're going to really love what we have next week coming for you. And, of course, there's a lot more coming after that. And maybe if the Panthers do train Mark Pesek, we'll do an emergency podcast. Lord willing that that happens. Mark Pesek Trade Podcast. Mark, oh, we're going to spend an hour on Mark Pesek Trade. You know it. Good night and good hockey.